Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. This week we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Uh, Normally we do reviews, but we are not going to be doing any reviews because we are going to be bringing you a full-fledged top 10 list. It is going to be called the top 10 underrated games, but that's not exactly, doesn't exactly describe the (laughs) the list. That's a good good two-word summary of it. That's a, yeah. I can talk about the criteria a little bit here. I would love for the audience to know your criteria for this. We'll get there. (laughs) All right. Before we get into your ridiculous criteria for this particular list that I I did not follow, uh, announcement, we're going to Origins. We're doing it. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was kind of up in the air whether or not, like, Natasha's going to every convention that ever conventioned. Like, she's just like, oh, is there a convention? I'm going to that one. Yeah, let's go to that one. Let's go to that one. But I'm trying to go to all of them. Yeah, but not all. Not all of them. I'm trying to go to as many as I can. So she's going to be doing that. I, on the other hand, am not. I'm not going to be attending all the conventions. Actually, the bummer is I don't know if I'm going to make Gen Con again this year. Ugh, man, that's a that that hurts a little bit. But that said, we are going to Origins. So if there's listeners that are also going to Origins, email us. That way we can, you know, try to set up some gaming, do something, you know, whether or not we just meet in the game hall, we meet outside, you know, even if you want to like, you know, grab us and go have a beer or something like that, you know, hit us up, email us, let us know. Cause we'll be there pretty much the entire weekend. I think Sunday we leave like just around like lunchtime, but we should be there for the entire convention. So if, uh, if you guys are going, email us, let us know that way we can like meet up and meet some fans. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that would be. And let us know what things we should check out. I was looking at the event list, Bob, and I'm like kind of not, I'm, I haven't really gotten, I haven't signed up for any of them yet. I'm not really sure what any of the, uh, like any of the new stuff yet. I might just have to just wing it. Well, Board Game Geek does have their like Origins preview up already. As Ooh. of this recording, They it's pretty recent. So you can go on there and you can kind of check out like the stuff that's coming out, which uh, I mean, I've talked about it a bunch on this podcast. I, I love that stuff. I love going and talking to the the publishers and just just seeing what they're coming up with. It's not as big of a release as Gen Con or let's say Essen, but it's still pretty significant, I would say. So, mm-hmm. which is always, like I said, it's always cool. I liked last last year they did their events a little differently, and you could like sign up they, for a lot of games, and a lot of them are older games too. It's not just the new stuff that you could sign up and play. A lot of them, a lot of things. Some of them are new and some of them are older. You know, so I was looking for any of those to sign up for and I didn't see any, but maybe I'll look at the, some of the games that are coming out. What's funny is we did that uh, Orleans tournament last year. Yeah. And like the That was fun. I I struggle to actually call it a tournament. It was just no, a no, bunch no, no, no. of... Shh. It was a tournament <laughs> and I won. That's the, the end of the story. It was really fun. The winners write history. Uh, th- that's not exactly how I remember it. I just remember it was it was six of us, and we each played a game, and then I think whoever scored the most points overall won the game. <laughs> Isn't that how it went? I don't think so, because we had two tables going, and then, then uh, we both that, won. We both that's won right. the game. Yeah, so you were one of two winners out of... You know, I was, I was that said. I mean, I was a loser. I I was not. I was not victorious at all in that. The point particular. is, I won and I got a copy. 
the new version of Orleans, which was awesome because I love that game. Would you do that again? Would you do some sort of tournament like that again? Like if they had uh, what game? Yeah. Actually, what game would you do a tournament of if you had to pick one? Besides Orleans? <laughs> Obviously. Besides, I mean, you already won the new version. Why do you need to do that one again? Yeah, yeah. Pick something I mean, else. I would, I would do any tournament again because one, it was fun. It was playing a game that I liked. I would, I would make sure it'd be a game that I was like familiar with because I don't, I wouldn't want to get like destroyed. That wouldn't be very fun. So I would play any game that I was familiar with and felt pretty confident that I understood the game really well. Just because, you know, if it's a game you like, then you can play with people who've also played it and are good at it, and that's fun. You should do a Great Western Trail tournament. Yeah. <sighs> Man, I just don't want to be humbled. That's the problem. Is I I feel like you've gone on this podcast and told everyone that I'm like really good at this game, and mm-hmm. I think it's all about perspective. I think it, if it's you and I, yes, I am significantly better at it than you are because I've okay, played I'm it. Offended more. by that, you're saying you're only that good because I'm that terrible. I'm not that terrible at it. You are good at it. Don't sell yourself short. But that's the thing. If I'm if I'm like out in the wild, just playing a wild game of of Great Western Trail. It's, I don't know if I would win. So, you know, like that's still, the thing. But you'd still have fun playing with people who like the game. Yeah, I, I would do it. I would do it for sure. I, played, yeah. I really like Scythe, and I can win at that a lot. And I played that at Origins, not a tournament, just random people. I played it three times in a row one year when I went with like five or more people. It was stupid. It took We were up all night. But anyways, I lost every single one of those games. And we were even teaching new people, and I still lost. So yeah, I, you don't always win even when you're good at the game. Okay, let's talk. Let's do the top ten list. Let's 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 get into our top ten underrated games. Please explain how you went about making this list. Okay. Well, first of all, I wanted we wanted to do an underrated games, games that you know a lot of people do, that don't get a lot of love, but we really like. Um, because we did you know popular games that we don't like. You know, so there's a lot on there. So I wanted to look at games that aren't as popular that I really like and share them with you. But the problem that I have with that is my tastes are very, very basic for board gamers. Like I like pretty much everything that's popular, you know, and the things that I, I just don't try a lot of things that aren't popular. I mean, I've been trying a lot more in this last year. So all the new things that came out just because I've been doing this podcast, but a lot of the older stuff, I just I haven't played a lot of those games that aren't popular. So I struggled with how to make this list. So that's that's my my little preface there. Like that's that's the the uh, the overall thought process before you got into the actual nuts and bolts, like, the criteria. Can I, find, can I find some games that that I really like that I think are really good that that like aren't as talked about? So I went on BGG and I looked. I jumped to like to the thousand. So I rated it you know, jump to the ones that were rated 1,000 or higher. So, okay, if they're in the 1,000s, then they're not as popular. Well, then I excluded anything that was recent, you know, like t- t- um, 2022 or 2021, because a lot of those newer games, they start off pretty low, you know, they take yeah. a few years before they move up the list. So I excluded all those, made sure that I gave it at least a 7 or 8, you know, rated at that, and then didn't talk about anything that, and then excluded anything that we recently talked about you know, that we've been talking, like that we've reviewed already. Mm. And then I have, I came up with, I actually got 11. And so then I narrowed it down to 10. You came up with 11. Was it a difficult time coming up with the 11? I mean, it wasn't difficult because I just went through there and found ones that were rated seven or higher. So oh my God. I sorted and found it. 
Um, but yeah, a lot of the games. Okay, so there was a, there was a few ones that I had rated a nine or a ten that I excluded because they were kids games, you know. So I didn't include those. Okay. Yeah, I went about it differently. I I wouldn't necessarily say you didn't have all these rules. I didn't. I didn't have like. I didn't feel like I needed all these like rules in place for me to determine my list of ten games. But very similar. I did. I I initially looked at games that were. I think I started at like nine hundred and went. So mm-hmm. I think there's my highest game might be like nine hundred something. Otherwise, everything is you know a thousand over. Um, I did exclude a couple of newer games, and again, part of it is or like reimplementations. Like for example, Sky Mines is in the thousands. It reimplements Mombasa, which is like a top one hundred game on Board mm-hmm. Game Geek. So I did not I did not include that game because it yeah. just like it's just too it hasn't had time to like make its way up. Event, yeah, pretty I agree. Much. So but I'm pretty excited about my number one to share it. So I'm excited. I don't even I have no idea what's even on your list. I couldn't even guess. Do you think we're going to have crossover on this? No, I think we'll have zero crossover. All right, let's do it. Let's start it off. Give it to us. What's your number 10? All right. My number 10 is called Startups. So it's a small little oint game, and it is a bidding game, which I typically don't like. But this one's small, and it's quick, and I don't mind it. So you go around, and you bid on these these companies. And, and the twist is that if you have the company cards that somebody else won, you have to then pay them. And, and you actually have to give them one of your coins that flips it over, so now they have three points, and you lose one. Um, that's fun, but also, as you're playing the game... If you have the majority, you can no longer take from like the pool that's in front of you. So then you can no longer add to it. So there's just all this tension of like holding on to cards, when to play them, when to keep it, what cards to keep in your hand. Once all the deck runs through, then everyone reveals the three cards that they have in their hand and adds them to there. So there's a little bit of surprise at the end with, you know, with who has the majority. And it's not my uh, like favorite style of game, you know, the the trying to guess if you're going to get majority of each of these stacks. But I, I, end, I end up um, having a lot of fun playing with it. And I really like it. It's quick and short, and it's just fun and easy to play. Yeah, I wasn't really enamored with the game. I thought it was fine. I can see how people like it just based on the fact of how quick of gameplay and like the way it, you interact with other players is cool. But yeah, at the end of the day, I wasn't necessarily that big of a big of a fan of it. It's probably my second favorite oint game. So obviously my first one is going to be the new one, Scout. I love Scout. Um, but yeah, I, I also like Startups. I think it's their, their, it's their second best game. That is my number 10, Startups. All right. My number 10 game is a game by Bezier Games, and that is Whistle Stop. This game has seemed to not get a ton of love. People don't seem to particularly care for it. I think the biggest reason is it can be extremely AP. Uh, basically, you're going to have a board in the in the middle that has a bunch of hexagonal pieces missing. Now, on your turn, you're going to take one of your tiles that you have in your hand, and you're going to be able to place it, and then you can move your train car. And you're basically just creating routes. You're going to have you're going to be creating a route from one side of the board to the other side of the board, and stopping off at different places in order to gain goods to you know, fulfill contracts, different things like that. I really enjoy this game. It People don't seem to care for it. And I don't know if part of it is just the fact that like it is 
extremely AP prone. Like I, I get AP in this game. It takes me a while sometimes to take my turn because there's a lot of different options that you're going to have. Because once you place a hex, like you're going to have all these different routes that all of a sudden connect to it. And like I said, you're moving your trains across trying to fulfill different orders. And once you get over to the end, if you have a certain amount of goods, then you can fulfill these major orders and stuff like that. So I, I really enjoy the game. You can get, you know, special tiles that allow you to do, you know, change the things up a little bit. You're going to be dealing with the economy's colon whistles. So they allow you to, you know, do certain moves, that sort of thing. The funny thing is with this game, Whistle Mountain came out like a year or so after it. And people really liked that game. But the problem was people weren't willing to play it because of their experience with Whistle Stop. Because Whistle Stop was so bad. I don't think it was. I don't think the game's bad. I think I actually enjoy the game uh, quite a bit. Um, But it just got a lot of mixed reviews. I think people were like they weren't very hot on the game. And because of that, because they had Whistle Stop and then Whistle Mountain, People avoided Whistle Mountain because they just thought it would be a different version of Whistle Stop, which is it's a completely different game altogether. The funny thing is using that as its name actually was it's to its detriment than it was to its you know benefit. But anywho, I like the game. Um, I'm not saying go out and get it. I think it's I think it's fun. I do think if you're AP, you might not want to play it because there can be a lot of AP in this game. But yeah, my number 10 Whistle Stop. Yeah, I'd like to play that one. That's on my list of wanting to play games. Well, I have it. We should do it. All right. My number nine is a small little card game called Abandon All Artichokes. This is by Game Right, and it's cute. One, one it's got a, it's a little a vegetable art, which is really cute. And you, everyone starts off with a hand of artichokes, and then it's a, I guess, a deck builder. But the whole point is you've got to get these artichokes out of your hand and whoever is the first to get them out wins. And you can do that by collecting other various um, different vegetables that are in front that are available to purchase. And then you can add them to your hand and that they basically let you get rid of artichokes in different ways. And it's just fun. It's a, it's a, it's a light card game. It's got cute little artwork. It's quick to play. I've recommended it, it before and it's gone over really well. Um, Overall, it's it's a simple game, and it it's um it's, you could play with uh, you know many different groups of people. People people who don't play board games, it'd make a good you know birthday gift for kids that like games. It's ten plus. Have you played it before, Bob? I actually have not played this game. It it seems cool, but I it comes yeah, in a, I've never... a ten. You know, oh, you lost me. Game right. <laughs> they love to put their games in tins. They do. It makes zero sense. It's just it's just regular cards, even though it's in like a little artichoke shaped tin, which is is a little grievous. But, um, you know, it's still cute and and it's definitely worth the price. If you run across it, it's definitely worth picking up. That is abandon all artichokes. All right. My number nine game is Warsaw City of Ruins. This is a drafting tile laying game that simulates building the city of Warsaw. so you're basically going to be playing over six epochs and on your turn, you're going to have a set of tiles in front of you and you're basically going to take one of the tiles and then reveal simultaneously. You can either like discard the tile for some money or you can pay the tiles costs and place it in your tableau. You are restricted on how big your Warsaw city can be. 
I think it's only three by four. But the main main like twist in the game is like as Natasha likes to say, is that um every so often your city's gonna get destroyed. Because historically speaking, um Warsaw is the capital of Poland and it was destroyed a couple times, you know, like during the Second World War. So what you end up doing is you're building the city, scoring points, and then after specific events happen, you have to destroy part of your city and then rebuild. Um yeah, so it's a it's a pretty quick drafting tile lane game i really like those style of games um it doesn't hurt that you know both my parents are immigrants from poland so obviously like duh right this is like i gotta <laughs> play this game and you like tile lane games it has a very alhambra look to it yeah it does and like ba- based on how you lay the tiles down you can you know you're gonna score different points there's different districts on the tiles and um you can get these like special tiles like university tiles and stuff like that um yeah, pretty quick game for the most part. I really enjoy this game. Nobody ever talks about it. I don't think I've even seen it. I mean, the cover does look familiar, but that's about it. The cover doesn't do much for it, unfortunately, but this was actually the original name of this game was Capital by, uh, I believe, Grana Games did it, and then it came in the States. Um, the North Star Games brought it to the States and renamed it Warsaw City of Ruins. Yeah, quick tile lane game, drafting, you know, I like all those things. So pretty cool mm-hmm. theme, having to destroy it and then rebuild it. But my number nine, Warsaw, City of Ruins. My number eight is Tales and Games, The Hare and the Tortoise. So this is by Yellow and it's in their Tales and Games series. It's one of their first, one of the first ones. I think it was like the second or third one, probably the third one. And it's a racing game. And at the beginning of the, well, I shouldn't say racing. It's a betting game. So you are you're you're given a um character that you are betting on that you have to that that's going to be your character that you want to win the race but nobody else knows what the, your character is and then you can also pick an additional character that you also want to win and you can pick the same character or another one so you might you know you we might both be trying to get the turtle to cross the line we don't but nobody knows who anybody has and then you you get these cards and they all have all of the animals have special abilities and you have to play the cards that you have in your hand. So you have to, and you have, you need to, you can't just hold, like, let's say you don't want the turtle to win. You can't just hold on to the turtle card so the turtle never moves because you'll eventually have a mitt full of, of cards that you don't want to use. So what you want to do is strategically play them so that, that you, the character you don't want to move will move the, the least amount. So once some, once eight total cards have been played or, four cards of any one animal has been played, then the race will trigger and all of the animals will move depending on the um, the cards that were played in front of them. So like the turtle will always move one space regardless of even if nobody plays any cards. The 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 sheep will always move. Maybe he's a lamb. He's a lamb. He'll always move <laughs> however many cards are played plus one. And fox moves as many spaces as the number of cards are played um, anyways, so like if you have turtle cards in your hand, the turtle's going to move anyways. You might as well get them out of your hand. But if four turtle cards are played, then he'll move two spots. So if you don't want the turtle to move, you kind of want to wait to make sure nobody else is going to play any turtle cards. So maybe you can dump three turtle cards. But if you do have the turtle, maybe you're saving up your cards so that you can play four at once so that he can move twice that round. So there's there's different ways and strategies of playing these cards so that you can get the animal you want across the finish line the soonest. And I just like the strategy behind your mitt full of cards, trying to 
trying to make it trigger and get the animals that you want to move move as much as most efficiently as you can and i really like it i think it's a really good i mean it's a it's a family game you can play with kids it says seven and up but i think it i'd play it with adults just as much and enjoy it because i think there's so much strategy about what cards you're playing Hmm. it's one it's one of my favorite racing games or betting games i should say because you have control over how to get the characters to move and there's just the way the race triggers is really interesting. I really like it. And it's a small little box game. I feel like this game was like talked about quite a bit, probably 10 years ago. Um, I don't even know if it's that old, but uh, I feel like it was talked about. 2011. Yeah. Okay. And then nobody really brings it up much. Like it's yeah. kind of one of those things. Yeah. I should bring it. It'd be a nice little filler. It only takes about 15, 20 minutes to play. And it, I think it's fun. The, you know, Will Wheaton did an episode of Tabletop. He did it on it. And everybody had bet on the sheep and the little lamb. And um, secretly, because, you you know, the one that they choose. And yep. so everyone was trying to get the lamb to win. So the lamb, like, totally won first place. But then everyone, who, I don't know who ended up winning, whoever had the other card. It was funny. That is awesome. I Man, I, I miss Will Wheaton's Tabletop. I enjoyed that uh, series quite a bit. The production value on it was really good. You yeah, know, there's a lot. There's a lot of people who will stream games. You know, do something live, YouTube live, whatever. The Dice Tower does a bunch of stuff. I'm not discrediting anything that they do because that that's awesome. But there was just something special about the way he was able to put that entire production together. You know, with the interviews and everything along those lines. Like it just it it came together. The you way could, he where was you could able see to where everyone was, what everyone was doing without, yeah, it was it was really well done, really well yeah. produced. Yeah, super well produced. Well, I think it's totally worth checking out. That is the hair and, or sorry, tales and games, the hair and tortoise. All right, my number eight is a game by Alexander Fitster, and that is wait, wait, Alexander has a Alexander Fitster has a game that's underrated. I think so. It's listen, <laughs> it is for sure underrated because it's. Uh, it's 1,387. All right. What game did you say it was? And it was. It came out in 2020. I didn't say what the game was because you interrupted me oh. before I could. I was trying to get into it, and you just like stopped me. Dead dead tracks. Um, so this game is called Cloud Age. Oh, I never heard of it. You know, the funny thing is it's a capstone game that people didn't seem to like when it came out. It has a really interesting gimmick, and that gimmick is... Car, uh, sleeved cards that have clouds huh. on them. So, what? And when you first get this game, you're gonna get a, a pack of sleeves that fit a bunch of cards in them. But then you're gonna take these cloud stickers and you're gonna set them on there. And the the what the game is is you have like a long board and you have a blimp, and you're moving your blimp across the board, stopping at various places to pick up resources. You're building project cards. There's a little bit of uh deck building because you're going to be using the cards to move your move your blimp you can upgrade your blimp to make it go faster you can add weapons to it a bunch of different stuff but when you stop to get resources you're going to have piles of resource cards that you can pick from the problem is they're sleeved into these card uh, cloud sleeves so you can't actually see what's on the card so you're kind of based on the little bit you can see it'll tell you kind of what the card could contain so for example if you see a lot of water chances are it's going to produce a lot of water resources if you see you know something else it could produce a lot of 
electrical resources, that sort of thing. So then you pull the card, and then based on what's in the center of the card, you're going to gain resources. So you could see a lot of water and then pull it and find out that it's actually just a really small section of the card, and you're going to get something completely different. So it has this way of giving you some hidden information, like sharing a little bit of information, but it's still kind of luck of the draw. Like you you can get some insight to what the card might have, but you're not 100% sure what you're getting until you pull the card out and then you get the resource, that, you know, off of that And you, card. you don't mind that? You don't mind that little bit of luck of the... Actually, the no, I, I didn't really, I didn't really mind it. Um, I think that's what turned a lot of people off was the fact that that it's a gimmick, right? Like at the end of the day, this is a gimmick through and through. But honestly, I thought it was I thought it was actually kind of fun. And it's not one of his heaviest games that he ever made. So and because of that, like I can forgive the fact that, you know, you're just kind of going for these resources and hoping. I like a little bit of luck when my games are lighter like that. I I think luck is fun. It adds to the excitement and charm. It's not like family weight. You know, this game isn't light like family weight or whatever, but it's a it's a lighter fitster game. Yeah. It, I mean, it looks beautiful. It's got gorgeous artwork and components. Well, and the idea is, you know, you can't live on the land anymore because, you know, there's some sort of toxin or something like that. So everyone's on these blimps. So then, you know, clouds are obviously covering up the like areas where you're going to go get resources. So in that way, it's supposed to be thematic that you don't know what you're getting until you arrive at the location. It has a campaign stuff too. And you guys know how I like campaigns. I haven't played through it. Um, my wife and I both have we, like, we've played this together. She really, she really enjoys it. So I, I remember when this game was announced, I was so excited about it and I was just waiting for it to come out. And then the, the reviews on it were really mixed. So I kind of put it off to the back burner for a little bit, but I got a chance to play it. Uh, when I got a chance to play it, I, I actually I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. So, yeah, that is uh, my number eight, Cloud Age. All right. My number seven is called Hansu. So this is a little card game. Uh, and then you are drafting cards that you're you're creating a tableau in front of you of different terrains and to, to score the most amount of points. It's a pretty standard tile laying game, except for that's cards. Um, what makes it fun is it's got this bidding mechanic where you pick a, a number. Whoever played the highest valued card gets to pick first from the cards that are played. So you you want to you know play your high numbered cards at the right time. Then you draw you you know then you can draft the cards that you want and you can kind of overlay them. So you have to play one at least one corner on top, at least one tile section of the card on top of another card and so there's just i like all of the spatial elements of where to play the card and i think the 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 playing your the number of cards and and for first person to be able to draft the cards is really interesting did you play it with us bob no i have not played this game it's a small it's a small little game it's just a little tiny box it's just cards but it's really fun interesting um, really more tile laying because of the way you have to place the cards and the rules of placing the cards and the way that they score is all really unique. There's a lot of tension in the game. You know, you want to, you don't want to always play your highest card because somebody could still outbid you. I, I just remember there being a lot of interesting decisions about what card to play so that you can get the, the car, the, the cards that you want on each round. It's because it's played over 12 different, 12 different rounds. 
think Toronto is divided into two phases. One's the bidding, or one's where you play the card in order to determine turn or who gets to draw the cards. It's it's really interesting. It's got a lot of really fun decisions, and it's just a nice little small box. I think it's a little little hidden gem. It's Hanzu, H-O-N-S-H-U. It's pretty pretty little box about um, Japan. Yeah, seems cool. Yeah, I, re- I really like it. I think if you can find a, a copy of it, I'm sure you can find a used copy. I mean, I think you'd enjoy it. It's it's a fun little small card game. That is my number seven, Hanzu. My number seven is Abomination, The Era of Frankenstein. This is yeah. a super thematic game from plaid hat games that talks about creating frankenstein's partner i guess so you play as the assistants or the grandchild of dr frankenstein and you know frankenstein's monsters come to you and says hey make me another person i'm lonely so you're just going around going to the morgue picking up bodies you're going to the graveyard, digging things up. Like if you go to the morgue, you get fresher ingredients. And by ingredients, I mean like blood, bone, stuff like that. Fresher body uh, parts. Fresher body parts. If you go to yeah. the, you could go to like the black market and murder somebody and get really fresh parts. Or you could go to the grave or the cemetery and dig them up and just get like bone. It's super thematic. It's not a very... The theme, it's the for the theme of this game is not for everybody. It's dark. I don't think it necessarily does it really tongue in cheek. Like I think it leans into the theme. I think it's super thematic. I think it's one of those games you play, you know, Halloween every single year. The major downfall, and it seems to like I hate to say it, but it seems to be kind of a somewhat of a trend for Plaid Hat, is it's long. People think it's just too long for what it is. And it, mm-hmm. it kind of comes down to, at the end, in order to create your creature, you have to roll dice. And based on those die results, you could injure the body part that you're trying to you know, make alive. You could you know, generate the electricity that you need to, you know, to activate that body part. Or you could damage it in some way uh, just based on some dice rolls. So you're playing a long game, and then it ultimately comes down to dice rolls, whether or not you can basically activate all the parts of your creature. And that doesn't necessarily like activating them all doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win, but it definitely helps and gives you points. So I think that's the that's the downfall is it's the game's long. I think I've talked about this in like thematic games. Um I think the game's super thematic. It if you don't like long games then this one you might want to avoid. I personally don't necessarily care that much. I I I enjoy the theme quite a bit. Um, just because I think it does the theme really well. So my number seven game, Abomination, the Era Frankenstein. Yeah, that one would be a hard one, hard sell for me. Just the longness of it. Yeah, I don't know the if you would like doesn't it. Doesn't appeal to me. I think you would complain about it coming down to dice rolls. Yeah, that would bug me. I don't. I don't have the mental capacity to listen to you complain about. Ugh, it's always down to these dice rolls. <sighs> That sounds just like you, doesn't it? It's it like no. it's like hearing yourself in your headphones all no, over again, huh? Not at all. <laughs> not at all. I like dice rolls. I don't rolls. play long like, games. My name is Natasha. Okay, I don't like long just games. wait until my number one is all dice rolls. It's not about the dice rolls. It's, it's a long game with did dice you just rolls. Give me, did you just give me double finger guns? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> just you wait. Just oh, you wait, partner. Pew pew. <laughs> 
All right. My number six is a, I don't know, I would say a pretty dry Euro. It's called the Stauffer Dynasty. Have you played this one? Uh, Nope. I have not played this one. How many of these games have you mentioned that I've played? One? None so far. None? Um, yep. Yeah, I'm over. Startups. Startups. You've played startups. I have played. Okay, yes. All right. So uh, okay. I hit a single. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This one's got a rondelle. Okay. You know, good. Yep. And you and you All build right. it. So you know the, the, the rondelle is going to be different each time. A little piece of pie. You can put it in any order. Okay. It's got, it's a, it's a Euro game. It's got okay. a little bit of area control in Check. it. Okay. You know, at the end of each round, you score these different areas based on who, how many has the most workers in it. And you've got like a, I don't know what they call it, but a larger meeple that's worth a little bit more than the rest of your guys. Um, it's got a lot of interesting things in it. Um, I really like the the turn selection order is interesting because you the way you place your meeples, then that'll be the turn order for the next round is really interesting. I just I just remember really enjoying this game. It's got a very dated looking theme, um, but overall, it's it's a fun it's a fun Euro game with some interesting, unique mechanics in it, and and it was fairly quick. You know, it's only five rounds and three different actions per round, so it moves at a brisk pace. And then by the end, you're like, oh shoot, it's done already. And, you know, you, you haven't quite gotten everything done you wanted to, but you kind of want to play it again because you're like, okay, I'll do better next time. And I like that. You know, I think overall you'd like it. It doesn't look terribly interesting. It's very, very beige. I mean, all beige. Euro games back then were beige. When did it come out? Um, This one was 2016. No, 2014 by Z-Man Games. I mean, Z-Man Games in 14. Yeah, that thing's all beige. The Stauffer Dynasty... Under the reign of Henry the Sixth, hmm. and it's got a guy on a horse, a king on a horse, walking through the countryside. I mean, it looks dull as all ever. Who's the artist? Franz Van Winkle. <sighs> I thought maybe it was our boy Clemens. No, the old Clemens. No, it's it's like it, the faces are better, but it's it's just very boring. Like there's nothing particularly interesting about the look of it. But the rondelle, I mean, the the the, the game itself is, doesn't look terrible or anything. I, I like the components within the game. There's meeples and there's, like, the board is kind of colorful. And, you know, it's got lots of victory point symbols on it. Nice, obviously. <laughs> there's that. It's just got some interesting, interesting, fun little things you can do. And it just kind of builds up really nicely. And I, I liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. That is the, Sto- the Stauffer Dynasty question mark (laughs) all right my number six is a game that i've recently played and it's very low and it re-implements eight been re-implemented eight million times and that is pit this is a crazy just okay this is a classic game is it really underrated it is okay pit is overall 1947 so it meets your criteria. That's true. Maybe it's overrated. Yeah, I think maybe we look look past it as board gamers because it's a classic game. I mean, it like technically it, it's credited to come out in 1903. So do with that as you as you wish. But it's yeah, it's it's, it's very it's, classic. It's just you're trading cards is all you're doing is you're it's it simulates almost that. Think of the think of any sort of movie from like the 90s and 2000s of like Wall Street stock market buying and selling. 
the yelling and I'll take two, I'll take two, trade two. That's all you're doing in this game is you're yelling out numbers, you're trading cards with people, and you're basically trying to corner the market and get you know all of the same kind of good into your hand. And then when you do, you hit this, you hit a bell or you hit something to indicate I've done it. The game you have stops. To hit the then, bell. That's the whole point of the game. Yeah. Um, if you have a bell, some some people don't have a bell. Um, that's that's the game. And then you basically play so many rounds, you're going to be scoring. You're 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 playing until you get so many points, and that's the game. It's fun. It's loud. It's obnoxious. You're constantly trading stuff. You're yelling at people. Sometimes you yell to somebody else like I'll trade to, and then somebody cuts you off and does the trade to, like undercuts you. It's yeah. There's a there's it's just fun. It's just yes. a fun game. It's a lot of fun. I really liked it. We played it over and over again. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I, I hadn't played it until just a year or two ago, r- fairly recently. And, and it was, I was like, oh, this is fun. Yeah. We played it at game night. And I think somebody, I think another table was like, hey, you guys need to keep it down. We're like, uh, I don't think we can. Not in this yeah, time. No. <laughs> Not in this kind of game. But that is my number six, Pit. All right. My number five is Islebound. This is a Ryan Lockett game, and it doesn't get talked about near as much as his other games. And I like it quite a bit. I like it better than Above and Below. So I think I think I like the near and far the best. And then this is the second, my second favorite one. Um, it's you about being on a boat and going from island to island, um, trying to collect different resources and, and gain victory points different ways. Um, it's got less of a storytelling aspect to it than his other games. Probably why I like it uh, more, you know, but, Probably. but it has the same um, like iconography and characters. And, you know, if you've learned one, you kind of could easily pick up on the, the iconography at least. And that a lot of his actions are similar the way that these characters each have unique powers and you have to activate them. You, you need certain characters to do certain things. I, I think it's a beautiful game. It's got beautiful artwork. I think it's a lot of fun. It plays, you know, not not terribly long, you know, the right amount of time for a midweight Euro. I, I like everything about it. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I play this game quite a bit. She likes it a ton. So we, we've played this game a lot. I think, honestly, at this point, there's only it's it, the games we're going to play from Red Raven right now are going to be Islebound and then Sleeping Gods. I, I recently got rid of Near and Far just because I if I'm going to play a narrative game like that, I think I'm going to move towards Sleeping Gods over Near and Far. Oh, really? Yeah. I loved Sleeping Gods. So if I want if I want to live in Ryan Lockett's world, I'm I'm picking up Sleeping Gods. Mm. But if you want just like a straight just game where you're not doing any kind of campaign, then Islebound is it. Islebound. Yeah. So Islebound, I mean, it does have some slight story elements there's like little cards that when you're fulfilling have some flavor text but yeah overall it's not super huge as far as story is concerned but it's a cool game you can build buildings or you can buy buildings building the number of buildings you do are you know how determines when determines when the end of the game so it's it's an interesting way to you know progress the game because sometimes you can just buy a building to you know get the game going that sort of thing but yeah Mm -hmm. I like it. I like the actions. I think it's fun, and I like everything about it. That That is um, Islebound, my number five. All right. My number five game is a game called Welkin, W-E-L-K-I-N. This is going to be a family weight. I'm going to refer to it as like stock manipulation game. Uh, so basically, you're going to have the central board, and in the central board, there's going to be 
the different sorts of sort of resources that you have. And you're on your turn, you're basically going to be taking a card from one of the spots and the card's going to let you do something. A lot of times they'll let you manipulate the market. So it'll have you take one of the tokens and flip it to its other side, moving it to a different resource spot. And, and the goal is to build and sell your cards when the value for the resources are at its highest. So, for example, let's say there's stone. If there's only one stone, you know, to if there's only one token on the stone, then it's only worth one. But if you have four tokens, now every stone value in the card that you build is worth four. And you're just you're accumulating points by building these cards for the highest amount that you can. The artwork in this game is breathtaking. It is so good. Uh, it's this whimsical islands in the in this floating islands in the sky. The artwork's really, really good in this game. It's, it's family. Gorgeous. Yeah, it's a family weight game. It is not super like uh super heavy. It's definitely family, but it's it's fun. You like you're getting some cards. You're basically just trying to manipulate the market to sell your or build your cards and gain as many points as you can from those cards. The cards will give you some some benefits. Whenever you get a card, it allows you to do something, usually manipulating the market in some way. Um, I really enjoyed this game. This game I picked up, I think at, I want to say Gen Con in 2019, I saw it and I was like, whoa, what is this game? Cause it looked like, it just looks so good. The artwork is just, you know, this like dreamy islands, you know, islands in the sky, just kind of artwork. Very vibrant. Yes. And I was like, what's this game? And they showed it to me and it's, like I said, it's a family weight game. It's one of those games that I think could go be like a Spiel nominee. Overall rank eight thousand. Yeah, this is this is disappointing. I think the game's actually, for what it is, I think the game's pretty solid. I think a lot of like people who enjoy heavy euros are gonna look at a game like this and say it's just a little too basic. But I think if you like family weight games, this is a good one. I think this is a really good one. The artwork draws you in. There's a lot of iconography, not a lot of reading. So you know kids uh can do it i know i think the box said like 10 plus but i think i think like an eight-year-old or probably could do it it's not a super long game maybe half hour 45 minutes probably so low because it doesn't have very many ratings it's rated as average rating of 6.4 but there's only 231 ratings so that's probably why it's so low well and the publisher i think is i think there's only like one publisher i don't think it got picked up by anybody pretty small publisher Either way, I you know I have this game in my collection. I enjoy it, so that is my number five. Welkin. All right, my number four is Time Bomb Evolution. So this is a social deduction game, and this one I just played this past year. It came out in 2016. It's by Yellow, and I never heard of it before. I never saw anybody playing it, but it easily surpassed. I think my now it's my number one favorite social deduction game. I really like them, um, you know, but Secret Hitler kind of cooled on me. You know, the theme is obviously can be problematic, is problematic. But um, but this one is kind of fun. So you have to try to um, disarm this, bo this bomb. And there are reasons for the good guys to lie, you know, because they don't want the, the people that are disarming the bomb to, like, pick one of their bombs to try to, you know, one of their wires to cut. So I really like that. 
you could be the good guy and still need to lie. I think that part of the game is really what's what makes it stand out from other social deduction games where often in those types of games, it's really fun to be the bad guys, but kind of boring to be the good guys because you just always tell the truth and not have to make any decisions. You know, it's just really all about making sure people believe you or this, this is like, you've got some decisions to make no matter what team you're on. And I think that is really what makes it really good. This game was on was on my short list. It didn't make my top 10, but it was probably like 12. Yeah, I really like it. And it's small too, which is really nice. It doesn't take up very much space. It's probably, I'm sure, fairly affordable because of how small it is. But if you ever see it, it's totally worth picking up. We play the Time Bomb Evolution. It's probably, probably an updated version from Time Bomb, I'm guessing. Yeah, um, a little bit. Yep. Well, it's fast too, right? Like you can play a bunch of, it's one of those like super quick filler games. You get four, five, six games in and move on to the next game. Yeah. 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 Sometimes it can go faster than other times, but yeah, at max probably 30 minutes or so, but it's, it's really fun. It's definitely my favorite social deduction game. That is my number four time bomb evolution. All right. My number four game is prodigals club. This is a game we actually reviewed. Um, fairly recently probably within the last few months yeah i consider putting it on my list because it's pretty high up there it's not right or pretty far up there it's not very popular which surprised me but i was like we just talked about it so therefore it got eliminated yeah well you have a you had a certain set of criteria that i did not feel constrained by sure. um fair enough <laughs> yeah so i yeah i put it on the list it's you know ranked 1102 yeah which I was surprised. I am too. And I don't know if maybe it's just because it's an old game, you know, from 2015. So in this game, you're, you know, part of the Prodigals Club and you're really just trying to get the lowest score possible. There's three different kind of mini games within the game. There's the election track where you're just trying to get the least amount of votes possible. You're trying to alienate everyone you possibly can. There's the social club. You're basically trying to like upset for, you know, socialites in some in any way you possibly can you know and then there's you know Beatrix who's like talking very highly of you that you're trying to like stop her from doing that and then you're just trying to get rid of all your possessions you're basically think of the like paperclip to a Ferrari you're doing the opposite you're trying to take that Ferrari and trade down to a paperclip and then sell the paperclip for as little as you possibly can that's (laughs) that's basically the game so it kind of it's interesting because the theme reverses your thought process you're just trying to get the lowest score so whenever you play all the mini games what happens is your score is going to be the lowest of the three mini games so you could be at like zero on one negative two on another one but if you're at like 50 on the other your score is 50 Mm -hmm. which is hard you have to manage all three or Mm -hmm. you know the initial the initial game you only play two uh but you have to manage them both and then there's a lot of card play so you're basically getting cards and then doing stuff with those cards so i really i really enjoyed this game i you know i originally picked it up and um just because i thought the theme was cool but i really i really like the game my number four the prodigals club i agree with you i really like it i'm surprised it's not a big hit yeah and i guess technically you know it does re-implement last will kinda last will is the version previous to this and i think that one's higher up mm-hmm. like it's a it has a much better rating but that one and you can integrate the two that's what's cool about them too i'd pick this one specifically 
because they had the three mini games, and I don't think Last Will was specific to the different mini games. Yeah. All right. My number three is Alma Mater. So this is published by Eager Spiel, and if it's got it's beautiful, beautiful artwork. So you're serving your players are serving as headmaster at one of the universities in the 15th century. It's a worker placement game, but it's got this book economy. Um, so you you have certain books that you are. I'm going to mess this up and I'm not going to describe it well because the theme is not really there. It's just really beautiful artwork. And it's got these little plastic books that everybody has, which are super cute. When you have certain colored books that you, um, I'm not going to say it right, that you have in front of you that people can purchase from you. Um, and so it's really, it's, it's really just a standard. I'd say the, the theme is about as, um, uh, there as like coin bras. It's a similar look to it as coin bra. You know, where it's just kind of a lot of different things going on. And it's just a a midway Euro game. I really like the look of the game. I, I like the, 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 you know, I say generic like Euro worker placement style game. But but overall, I think it just the, the beauty of it and the books and everything makes it really fun. And I'm surprised it's not more popular than what it is. Yeah, that game didn't quite resonate with me. I should probably play it again because it's from that Italian design group, right? So you yeah. would think I would like that game. I think one of the things that turned me off was when we were talking about playing it. I think we were playing like a three or four player game with the book economy and stuff. And I was like, well, what happens at like a like a two player game? And our friend Jeremy was like, oh, well, you basically have a dummy player. And I was like, I'm out. You know, the dummy player thing, for whatever reason, I just don't like to do. It's the same thing like in Seven Wonders, the two-player version of Seven Wonders. You have this dummy player that you have to manipulate. And that just kind of, I don't yeah. I don't know. I don't like that, especially in like a two-player game. That tends to be one of my criteria is it, it needs to be a game that can play at two and plays well at two. Yeah, that you is need one to be able to purchase these books from other players. So I wonder how, I guess it depends on how, cumbersome the dummy player is if it's if it's just putting their books out so you can purchase them that's fine you know maybe they take a few action spots i don't know i it depends i have not played it at two well and that's going to be one of those games that probably does well at high at the highest player count because then you have the full book economy yeah yep it is best at four that's for sure all right that is my number three alma mater all right my number three you said it wasn't going to happen but guess what it <gasps> did my crossover, Islebound. I was just going to guess, is it Islebound? Yeah, it is Islebound indeed. So just like Natasha said, it's a, it's a cool Ryan Lockett game. It's kind of pick up, deliver. You're going around getting wooden fish and turning those wooden fish into points in some way. You can get books that are knowledge. You can uh, climb up different uh, renown tracks, which is ba- renown is your points. Uh, you can hire, you know, pirates to attack different places. You can, you know, gain serpents to attack different stuff. There's a there's an interesting battle for who keeps track of or who is in charge of the specific islands within your, you know, archipelago. There's just there's just a bunch of cool little things with the game. It is, I would say, at the end of the day, it is somewhat. It's going to be more pick up and deliver. So if you're not a fan of pick up and deliver games, this might not necessarily be the best one for you. But it doesn't feel like one though to me. 
it has other things going on, but you're definitely going to, to spot A to get wood to bring it to spot B to build something. Yeah. You know, so yeah, there's. You're right. Yeah, I guess it is when you say it like that. So it's. It, it, there's more to it than that. It's not just a straight pick up and deliver game. There's definitely yeah. more mechanisms involved in it. Um, there's no real story, but it's fun and I and I enjoy it. And the the economy of your your crewmates or whatever you can use them to do different things, and then you have to put them below deck because they're exhausted, and you have to go rest. And the way you gain control of islands, you can either battle with your pirates and serpents, or you can use diplomacy depending on what the islands type is. The diplomacy cubes are kind of interesting because as you gain them, you place them on this track. The higher up you go on the track, um, you're going to gain more. But the way it works is there's only one track and you're, you're putting your cubes down. So let's say I put a couple of cubes and Natasha does, then I'll put down a couple and Natasha does. So then the cubes are valued based on where they are on the track. So then you remove them to get use diplomacy to gain control of the islands. I think it's a cool game. Um, it's definitely overlooked as with Ryan Lockett's games. He gets a lot of accolades for his story-driven stuff. You know, Above and Below moving into Near and Far was a was a vast improvement. Then moving into Sleeping Gods was a vast improvement. And that's what people talk about is those games. Islebound, I think, is good. I think it's a good game. So my number three, Islebound. All right. My number two is a party game. And I think it's so fun. But it really stresses a lot of people out. So that's probably why it's pretty low. And that's Stay Cool. Oh, I hate this game. It's so I get fun. so stressed out. Like, I don't need that. I don't need people to berate me while oh, I'm playing this I game. I love it. This game is just as much fun, maybe slightly more fun to watch because every, you take turns going around the table being the active player. So you have you spend a lot of the time just watching other people do it. But it's just as much fun watching everybody else do it and laughing at them than it is being the active player. So it makes it so fun. So when you're the active player, you have somebody on both sides of you, each asking you questions. And one of the, they're all, they're all simple questions. Like there's no trivia here, which I don't like trivia because I don't know stuff. But so somebody asks you a really simple question and you just have to answer it. And then the other person asks you another really simple question and you have to like uh, spell out the answer with these dice that you have. You just have to, you know, manipulate the dice. You don't have to roll them or anything. There's only like, oh, five dice uh no maybe one two three four five six seven dice that's it so you just got to find the letters and make this really simple word it's always like a three or i think a four letter word or something but you have, but you have both people coming at both sides of you asking these questions and you're trying to do both at the same time and it's that's what makes it so fun so the first round you just do that the second round is timed or you have to pay attention to the timer and tell them when to flip. And then the, the last round, you can't see the timer. You have to tell them to flip before your time runs out. You just get points by, based on how far, how many questions you can get answered in each individual round. But man, I just think it's so fun. This game stresses me out. You have two people, like one person yelling at you stuff, the other person yelling at you stuff, and you're just trying to, yeah, it just, it stresses me out. And then you have to take time to figure out, like, I don't know how long 30 seconds is when I'm getting yelled at from both sides to like figure stuff out. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I can't d get out of here. <laughs> Nobody's yelling at you, Bob. They're just both talking to you. It feels like yelling. I feel I think it's so fun. I love it. I, I it's a lot of fun. It's a smaller, smallish game. It's not too terribly expensive. It wouldn't be one I'd want to play like all the time. But man, when we do play it, it's really fun. 
that is my number two. Stay cool. All right. My number two game is After the Empire. This is a worker placement medieval castle game, we'll say. it. So long story short is you have a castle in front of you and you have these chunky bits. So you have ones that represent wood and ones that represent stone. And basically, you just build your castle and you're building turrets and you're just preparing for the ultimate attack that's going to happen round to round. And you can get some insight as to where they're approaching uh, north, south, east, or west. And when they come in, they can like damage your walls. They can blow through the walls, get into your, you know, they could sack your keep, which makes you lose a bunch of coins. Um, this was one of my favorite games uh, from. 21 when we did our top 10 games from 21 this was this game was on it i really enjoyed it um it is clunky there it it bogs down in the combat section like the overall worker placement aspect is pretty simple like you're you're basically just trying to create the best castle you can long story short um there's different ways to score points too but that's ultimately what you're trying to do and the combat system is clunky because it's like, all right, archers attack. Okay, now return archers. Now ground units. Now, you know, it just, the way it goes about it, it just kind of slows down a little too much. But overall, I just, it just, it's a fun game. I love that medieval theme, you know, that um, fantasy kind of setting. So I, I enjoy it. Um, I know a lot of people think it's a little too fiddly when it comes to the combat. I honestly don't care because I think it's cool. It does not look like it came out in 2021. It looks dated and like It's a Kickstarter. It was a Kickstarter too. You could get a bunch of like, yeah. So normally you get like cubes that represent like your units and like the health on your different walls. This looks plasticky. There's a lot of plastic. But if you you get the Kickstarter version instead of cubes for like warriors, you get like little miniatures, like those little um, Spirit Island invaders. You get Uh basically stuff like that, which is actually harder to keep on your castle walls than just regular (laughs) cubes. So, like, there's a lot of problems with this game. There are. Like, I'm not saying there are. It's not very popular. (laughs) Probably. I don't know. I I dig it. For whatever reason, I think it's a cool concept. Like, whatever. I have have fun playing it. So, my number two, After the Empire. All right. My number one, I don't think you'll like this game, Bob. It's called Steam Park. So this is a real-time dice rolling game. Yeah, See? I'm out. Dice. Dice yeah, rolling. You, yeah, the problem is you put real-time in front of it, so you just oh, ruin the so whole fun. thing. So you're building a steam park for robots, and your goal is to make the most amount of money. And on the beginning of each round, everyone's going to roll their dice as fast as they can. As soon as you get dice that you want to keep, you, ta- you take that dice, stop, you know, you add it to your little piggy bank that you're storing your saved dice on you continue rolling the rest of the dice and you're just going to keep doing that as fast as you can until you get all of the the dice that you want that you're going to use that round and then each dice would you know there's six sides to the dice so there's six different actions you can do and one of them's a blank so those dice don't do you anything so you want to um you know you want to keep rolling until you get what you want to be able to do that round but you don't want to be the last one to to finish rolling because you'll collect all this dirt and if you're the first one you have uh it lets you get rid of dirt because all of a sudden um at the end of the game if you've collected too much dirt you'll lose like a ton of points it's exponential it's like 
it's a, just a ton of points. And your your robots, every time they use the roller coasters, they'll acquire dirt. So you got to keep getting rid of this dirt. You spend a lot of time trying to get rid of dirt. So it's really important to, to end your dice rolling quickly. So sometimes you just got to just take the best you can get and end it quickly and just make use of it. You also have these scoring cards that you get constantly. And they're, they're kind of fun because every card will score even if you have zero. So, you know, sometimes you kind of want to save them until you get, you can score a ton of money off of them, but sometimes you just, just score them because that's the die. You have a die that lets you score a card. And if you can just get a, you know, $3 for each card, you can get a lot of points that way. You also get a lot of points by, by building your roller coasters. And then if you, you want to get robots to go to your roller coasters, well, robots will only go to their matching roller coasters. So only Green robots will only go on green ro- roller coasters. Pink robots will only go on pink roller coasters. But and you have to draw them out of the bag, so you want to try to. So there's a there's a lot of luck there with the drawing them out. But it it just makes it really fun. Like there's, I don't know. I just I really like it. I like the look of the game. It's got this really cutesy like kind of steampunk look to it. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I I don't think that you'll like it, Bob, though. But I still like it, um, and I'm surprised it's not more popular. It's let's see, it's designed by or it's published by Cranio Creations by Yellow. Came out in 2013, and I don't see anybody playing it anymore. I don't know why. Yeah, because it sounds awful. Sounds it's so fun. Dumb. I I have a question. Um, so in this game, do you have to remove dirt? Yeah. Is it is that like a thing? Yeah, because you yeah you. Because roller coasters get dirty, you gotta get rid of your dirt at the end of the game. You lose points, you lose money by how much dirt you've got. So dirt's a thing. Yeah. You don't want okay, nobody just, wants to go to a dirty water, dirty um, water park, uh, theme park. A dirty um, theme park is no good. Yeah, keep it clean. There's lots of trash. <laughs> Those darn robots in your trash. Uh huh. I don't know, man. This game, it just there's just the real time aspect. I need to try some more. I'll try re- real time games again. See if see if I can like them, but I doubt it. You don't have to like them. That's fine. There's not that many of them. You're not. It's fine to not like them. This is a fun one. It's only an hour max, so it plays quickly. It's it's kind of got some meat to it. Like Fuse is a really quick real time game. Even Magic Maze is another quick real. Most real time games are really quick. This is an hour. The whole thing is not real time. It's only the dice rolling part that's real time. But it's fun. And it's colorful and nice looking. I like the theme. It looked really good for back 10 years ago. <laughs> I gotta love how that... It looked good for 10 years ago. I mean, it looks good now. Like, especially, like, I'm just saying, like, it looked really good 10 years ago. Now we actually have other games that look good. But this one, I still enjoy playing it. That's my number one. A dice game. Steam Park. I think it's a really good game. I am kind of I am kind of happy that your number one game involved dice. I'm not gonna lie. I like I like dice. I don't like when something's determined by the outcome of one dice roll. You know, you gotta be able to mitigate yeah. that dice roll. You gotta do something with the dice rolls. That's why I don't think you'll like Abomination because it cu- it does come down to some dice rolls. But yeah, I don't like that at all. Yeah. All I right. Won't. So let's wrap off this list with the best game out of both these lists. Okay. My number one underrated game comes in overall rank 1,570, designed by our buddy Matthew Dunstan, Mm -hmm. who's designed quite a few games that we like, and that is Chocolate Factory. 
Oh, yes. I've never played it yet. Uh, I've, you know, I've taught it to a couple people and they're just like, eh, it's fine. I love this game. I don't know why people don't love this game as much as I do. So you're running a, you're, you're running a chocolate factory. And basically what you're going to do every round is you get to get uh, a piece of equipment and you get to have some sort of supervisor and the piece of equipment's going to go on your little factory board. And it's a, now a thing that you can activate as the round progresses. So you're going to be basically playing over the course of a week, you know, just making chocolate. So you're going to start off with a cocoa bean and then you're going to the the main like gimmick of the game is you have this conveyor belt system in the middle of your chocolate factory board. You set a bean on it. You push it over. You can activate the machines on either side of it above or below and you can use coal to activate that machine. So you can turn a piece of cocoa into a chocolate chunk. You can turn the chocolate chunk into bars or I forget the other one, like nougats or something. Then you can turn them, you can turn them into caramel chocolates. You can turn them in like, then you can put them in, make them into boxes of chocolates. So you're basically just, you're just running your machine as efficiently as you possibly can. So every time you put, like every time you activate, you end up pushing it over and then, you know, moving it constantly, moving it down your conveyor belt. Like that system seems really cool. You're just kind of sitting there trying to manipulate it. And the goal is to sell your chocolate. That's all you're trying to do. There's you have some personal objective cards for like small, medium and large like chocolate shops. Then you have these bigger like shops where you can ship chocolate to. So think of it like the little shops are like your little corner mom and pop stop, you know, mom and pop shop chocolate stores like Willy Wonka or whatever. And then, you know, the bigger ones you're sending to is like. I don't know. You're sending them to like Macy's or something, chocolate to Macy's, and they're they're doing it. And then based on how much you've delivered, you're gonna get a certain amount of points at the end of the game because of how much you've delivered to the different people. Um, I I really like this game, and I like people don't seem to really care for it that much. I don't know what the deal is. I love I, it. I don't think I've ever seen anybody play this game. I don't think I've even seen it in real life. I've taught, like I said, I've taught it to a couple people and they're just like, uh, and I'm like, what? Like, like this game is awesome. So you're just basically, you're just, you get coal, you're just activating your machine. And what's, what's cool is you are getting something new every single round. And I love games that just give you stuff. They don't make you buy it. They don't make you do something. They just here, take this. So it's kind of draft system. So you go, okay, I can draft either a machine or I can draft a person. Maybe I want to draft a person and I don't care what kind of machine I get. So then, you know, you're at the, you do the first thing. It's like that snake draft. You're the first pick and the last pick. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, then I just get like this thing. Sometimes I get choices between these two, like they're two are part of a pile and I can pick one, get rid of the other, that sort of thing. So I love games that just give you stuff. And this game does that. And then you can go for like filling those little orders as much as you want. As soon as you fill one of the smaller orders, the small, medium, or large personal orders, you get another order, but you can choose which pile it comes from. Yeah, I really like this game. I really like being able to just try to see what kind of machines I can manipulate. Like these chocolates, sometimes you can, you know, it's an engine building game in some ways because... You know, you can take your cocoa bean, turn it into a chocolate chunk, and that chocolate chunk can turn into a box of chocolates. You know, granted, it costs you four coal to do it, but you can do it. Or you can, you know, spend three coal and make it, you know, the entire shift to make that same, 
you know, box of chocolate. Uh, I really, I, mean, I really it looks like this like game. Something I would like everything about it. It looks like a a pretty midweight euro. It's yeah. it's fun. I I don't know. I dig it. I really love this game. It doesn't look it doesn't look especially gorgeous, but it doesn't look bad. It doesn't look bland either. It just looks kind of middle of the road. Yeah, Tom Vassell has a copy, and he's like upgraded all the bits to it, and I really want to get the upgraded bits. There's a de- there was a deluxe version of this game. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna have to. We're gonna have to play it. And I'm gonna have you have you review it with me, because yeah. I yeah I really I really enjoy this game, and then like I said, the Matthew Dunstan, the more like he's done a lot of interesting stuff. He's one of those designers that I haven't really like considered him to be a designer I'm looking forward to his stuff but the more I look at like his resume of games like the Guild of Merchant Explorers Chocolate Factory you know we reviewed Village Rails those types of games he's oh gosh, at least he's he, like so he's done a ton of cool games and he's definitely on my radar for designers yeah he's got done Elysium which I really like yep quite a few of these a lot of these um escape room style games yeah, done a ton of those. Yeah. Rolling right. Next station, London. That's a good one. That, yeah, that's your yeah. I, I wasn't gonna mention that one. So anywho, that is my number one underrated game, Chocolate Factory. All right. Those are our underrated games, games that we really liked. We had to counter the the games that we didn't like that don't get as much love as um as other games. And I'm gonna work on trying to play some more of these these underrated games because I I'm kind of pretty basic and play a lot of the popular games. So maybe I'll try to expand my, nah, probably not. Yeah. That seems unlikely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You like what you like and you're going to like what you like. Yeah. If it's, if it's old and I, you know, and then didn't get a lot of love, I'm going to trust the, trust the masses. It probably wasn't very good. (laughs) That's probably fair. I'm kind of nervous to have you play chocolate factory. You're probably like, this game is junk. (laughs) <laughs> well is it better than that, that paris game you made me play uh dinner dinner in paris dinner yes in paris? i think you'll like that i think you'll like chocolate factory more than you like dinner in paris i knew you yeah. weren't gonna like dinner in paris yet. yeah 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 uh, chocolate factory looks like i like it I'll, I'll give it a go i won't make you play steam park though i don't that's uh, fine i don't need your opinion i don't want it i'll review <laughs> it without you fair enough <laughs> All right, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening to Our Shenanigans. Join us next week. Please leave us a review and check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Send us your questions. Email us at boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Let us know if you're coming to Origins. Um, And we'll talk to you guys next week. See you next week.